This morning, I want to return to the book of Romans, the exposition of Romans. This morning, we're going to consider Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. The Apostle Paul continues to expound the reasons why everybody needs Jesus Christ. Having described the judgment that already is and the wrath that's already here upon a society that rejects the knowledge of God, he talks now about the wrath to come. I'm going to read Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 6, and pray for God's blessing on the ministry of his holy and infallible word. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, everyone who judges. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you, the one who judges, practice the same things. And we know that God's judgment is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you suppose this, O oh man, the one who judges those who practice such things and who does them, that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you think nothing of the wealth of his kindness and of his forbearance and of his long suffering, failing to realize that God's goodness leads you to repentance? And according to your hardness and impenitent heart, you are accumulating for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and of revelation of God's righteous judgment who will give back to everyone according to his works. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy word. We know that you are a God who hears and answers prayer, that you are the living and true God, and that all things are possible with you. And it is such an encouragement to see a very striking answer to prayer. Lord, we know that you can do anything. There's nothing too hard for you. There's nothing you can't do if you want it. And we pray that you would work this morning in the heart of everyone who hears your word, a moral miracle, and that you would save unconverted people, bring conviction of sin, those that are living in their sins and sitting here this morning or hearing my voice somehow, some way, that they would not continue to live in their sins, but that you would bring them to conviction of sin and you would deliver them from sin as you have delivered us who believe in Jesus that you would deliver them too. Have mercy on them this morning. Don't let anyone continue to deceive themselves and live in denial 
and gross sin this morning, thinking that they're going to get away with it. Grant, O God, mercy in Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. There is a day when justice will be done. The time is coming when every wrong will be made right. And when every one of us will stand before God and give account to God for the way we lived, the things we did, the things we said when we were here living on earth. According to what Paul says here, nobody is going to be able to live in sin and get away with it. I'm not going to get away with it. You're not going to get away with it. Nobody's going to get away with it. And he starts to speak about Judgment Day by laying the foundation. The whole idea that there's going to be a day of judgment rests on the foundation that God is a righteous judge. That there is a living God and he will righteously judge the world. Now I know you're supposed to have three points in a sermon. Unfortunately this morning you may be here a little longer because I have five points. And the first point is the suitability of God's righteous judgment. And it's evident that his righteous judgment is suitable. It is well-earned and merited and deserved. And what does Paul say? in order to illustrate how suitable God's righteous judgment is, he says, if you want to see the suitability of God's righteous judgment, you have to look no further than the hypocrisy of human beings. The hypocrisy of those who live in sin. How does he describe that hypocrisy? Look what he says. You are inexcusable. Isn't it obvious? You're inexcusable, everyone who judges. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself because you, the one who judges, practice the same things. Now we have a very handy illustration of this in political campaigns. It is very common to point out all the wrong that people in another political party do, while at the same time being blind to your own wrongs that you do in your political party. I accuse you of being a liar while I am telling lies about you. How about this? Look what I brought this morning, just in case you forgot. Look what I brought. How about this? I demand, this is, right? Isn't even the world knows this. I demand that you wear a mask 
I condemn you, I judge you because you don't wear a mask. Of course, I have no intention of wearing mine while I condemn you. Or suppose I were to stand up and take my cell phone, turn it on, I hope my and I really hope my daughter doesn't call me right now, because I I have a daughter who does these things. She just wanted to find out. Right? Suppose I tell you, all right, you people, you better turn your cell phones off. Turn them off. Oh, excuse me. I got my phone on while I'm condemning you and judging you. Don't call me now, dear. Good. There you go. I'm condemning you, judging you for having your cell phones, demanding you turn them off while I've got mine on. What do you call that kind of attitude? What would you think if I was up here doing that every Sunday, yelling at you people, telling you to turn your phones off, and I got mine on, and right during the sermon, my daughter calls because she's naughty enough to do it. I said, oh, excuse me, I've got to take this call from my daughter. What would you think? Did you like that? Would you think I was a hypocrite? You would, wouldn't you? inexcusable behavior for me to demand that you wear a mask while I refuse to wear one. Inexcusable behavior for me to insist that you people turn off your cell phones, but I'm going to have mine on. Inexcusable. You wouldn't like it if I did that, would you? And this is the point. This is obvious. Even the world sees this kind of stuff as hypocrisy. If even we see that this kind of stuff is hypocrisy, do you think that God doesn't see it? Think that God doesn't know? People telling lies about other people while they themselves are living in lies? And all the things that we heard about in Romans chapter 1, people doing those things while condemning other people for doing the very same things that they're doing. This kind of hypocrisy is inexcusable. It's obvious that it's inexcusable. We all see it. God sees it. And God is going to deal with it. That's the suitability of God's righteous judgment. And we can learn a couple of things from this. First of all, we need to stop and think really carefully. If this is true, do we have a judgmental attitude? What's a judgmental attitude? A judgmental attitude is an attitude where you sit in judgment on other people as though you were morally superior to them. A self-righteous, judgmental attitude like the Pharisee had in Luke 18. He stood and prayed this way with himself. Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm better than these people, especially this stinking, dirty, rotten piece of garbage publican. I'm better than he is. So we have to stop and think. Do we have a judgmental 
self-righteous spirit. Now, I was talking to Adam about this yesterday morning. We were talking about it. We were talking about self-righteous spirit and the tendency of some in our circles to have that kind of attitude. Now, one of the things I don't like to do is to preach about people that aren't here. <laughs> What's the point? What's the point of preaching to them? Because I, I'm not, you know, they're not here to listen to what I'm saying, so I'm not going to preach about other Reformed Baptists. I'm going to preach about you. There's no point preaching to other people who aren't here. Now, I'm thankful to say that I really don't think that, by and large, this congregation has that kind of judgmental spirit. I thank God for that. In fact, it's one of the reasons why my wife and I feel comfortable here. Because we don't like being around that kind of spirit. And if I thought that this church was in danger of coming under the influence of people to think like that, then I would preach against it. Because I think it's a danger and I don't want to see it come in here. Don't want to see a hypocritical, self-righteous, judgmental spirit come and infect this church. We don't need it. Leave it outside. So, thank God, I don't think that that's a major issue in this particular congregation. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But, we've got to be careful that we don't have that kind of I am better than you are attitude with respect to the way we view other Christians in particular, or other people in general. We deserve to go to hell as much as the worst person out there. We trumpet in spades. And we absolutely are wretched, hell-deserving sinners, every one of us. We're no better than anybody else. Isn't that true? This is a gospel hospital for sick souls that deserve to go to hell. That's what we are. That's all we are. We sang about amazing grace, and that's what it is, amazing grace that saved us. So now, let's get something a little closer to home. Galatians 6.1. You that are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. All right, it may be that someday, I hope it doesn't happen, but it may be that someday somebody in this room is going to fall into a pretty gross sin that's going to scandalize all of us. Or it's going to be that we're going to learn things about people that we really wish we didn't know. We're going to learn that somebody's doing this or somebody's doing that. I don't even want to try to guess at specifics because the Holy Spirit knows what those things are and I'm not going to try to do his job and guess at them. But it may be that somebody's doing this or somebody's doing that. You've been doing it in secret. And we're about to find out about it. I hope not. But I'm going to tell you this. What if we do? What if we find out about it? God already sees it. God already knows it. How are we going to respond to that person? You that are spiritual, restore such a one, not with a judgmental spirit, that could never happen to me, I'm better than you are. I could never do that. I'd never do that. I'd never go down that road. Oh, no, that would never happen to me. That's, how could you do that? Watch out. Because when you got that kind of attitude, you're on, the, you're on the brink of falling into some horrible sin. Looking to yourself 
lest you also be tempted. Dear people, the seeds of any kind of sin are in the remaining corruption of our hearts. We are not any better than anyone else. And if a brother or sister falls into some gross sin, and we're all grieved by it, we've got to restore them in a spirit of gentleness, looking to ourselves, lest we also be tempted. These are some of the applications of this principle that's in the text. The kind of hypocrisy that thinks you're better than other people and judges them for things that you either do or that you could do. That's the ground of the suitability of God's righteous judgment. And the second thing is this. And we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. God's going to get it right. His judgment is accurate. Look at the accuracy of God's righteous judgment. Finally. You know, it's hard for us with one group of people spinning events one way and other people spinning it another way. It is really hard for us to get at the truth as to what's really going on. There's so much spin. Finally, no more spin city. Finally, God will deal with the truth about what's really being done. No more misinformation. No more disinformation. No more propaganda. No more hidden agenda. God is going, quote, to the videotape. Instant replay. Now we're getting instant replay from all these different angles. And someday God will get the call exactly right because the eyes of the Lord are in every place. He has better technology than any cheating baseball team. God has every angle. He's got every perspective. He knows it all. He sees it all as it really is. And his judgment is according to truth, according to reality. You cannot hide from him what you really are and what you really do. It is impossible to get away with it. Now how... Does that apply to us? Well, Paul said, in the light of the day of judgment, I do my best to have a conscience void of offense to God and to men always. He said this means that we should live because he lived with judgment day honesty here and now. He was living in the light of the truth the whole truth, nothing but the truth. We should be honest people right here, right now, on earth. If we know we've done wrong, we should admit it. Not try to defend it, not lie about it, cover it, hide it. Own it. Admit it. Face it. Honestly. Openly. Before God. 
in the presence of God. Search me and see if there's anything in me that's wicked and lead me in the way everlasting. The Bible calls this attitude the fear of God. It's the awareness that God is always watching, that God sees and knows the truth. He knows what you are. He knows what I am. He knows how you live. He knows how I live. He knows everything about you. You can't hide it from Him. You can't deceive Him. You might be able to trick your parents. You might be able to trick your wife. You might be able to trick your husband. But you can't trick God. You can't fool Him. You can't get away with it. He sees it. He knows about it. The judgment of God is according to truth. And this means that we need to live right here and now with complete honesty before God. Openness and honesty before God who sees and knows. You follow that? And it means not only to be completely honest with God, but to aim to please Him in everything we do. Because we're all going to be made manifest what we really are before the judgment seat of Christ. The truth is going to come out about you and the truth is going to come out about me. And on the day of judgment, God is going to make known what I really am and He's going to make known what you really are. It's all going to be manifest. It's not going to be hidden. So why wait until then? Why, why wait until then to face what you really are and how you really live? Now, this is the time to face it. This is the time to be really honest with yourself about who you are and how you live. Because someday the truth is going to come out. God sees it already. God already knows it. No more misinformation, no more disinformation, no more fooling around, no more spin, no more agenda. Truth is coming out. And then there's a third thing. And that's the certainty of God's righteous judgment. Nobody's going to get away with it. And do you reckon this, O man, who judges those who practice such things and does the same? That you'll escape the judgment of God? You, you actually think you're going to get away with this? You think you're going to escape? Or, here's another possibility. Do you despise the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long-suffering? See, maybe it's not that you think that God doesn't see it. Maybe you think that God doesn't care. Maybe you completely misunderstand His goodness. Do you despise the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long-suffering not knowing? Not knowing. Maybe you completely misunderstand. Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repent. Do you not understand why lightning hasn't come down from heaven and struck you? It's not because God doesn't care. It's not because God doesn't know. 
It's not because God doesn't see. It's because God is good. And God is long-suffering. And God is patient. And God is kind. And it's because the goodness of God is leading you to get right. It's leading you to repent. He's giving you space to turn away from a life of sinning. He's giving you space to turn to Jesus for forgiveness. That's why. Don't misunderstand it. There's a text in in the Old Testament that puts this attitude into perspective. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. It says, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. So, the first time, the first time they did it, they stole something. They told this terrible lie. And they thought... Lightning's going to strike me. God's going to kill me. He's going to strike me dead. They waited. No lightning, no thunder. They think, I got away with it. And they do it again. They're a little scared, a little less scared than last time. They think, I got away with it again. Maybe God doesn't see it. Maybe God really doesn't care. They got away with it again. And again. And every time they do it, they're less and less scared that the lightning and the thunder is going to come down out of heaven and find them and destroy them. And because the judgment of God is not speedily executed against an evil work, their heart is fully set in them. They become calloused and hard and determined to go on and do it thinking they got away with it. They completely misunderstand God's long-suffering and mercy. Please don't fall into that trap. It's not that God doesn't see it. He sees it. It's not that he's not going to deal with it. He's going to deal with it. But he's long-suffering. Don't misunderstand what's really going on. He's not holding back the judgment and the lightning or whatever he's going to strike the wicked with in the last days. not holding it back so that you go ahead and continue in a wicked life. He's holding it back in order to motivate you to get right to give you a space to turn away from your sinning, to give you an opportunity to turn in repentance away from sin and to call upon the name of Jesus. He's showing you mercy. He's not encouraging hypocrisy. I entreat you, learn from this text, please, Don't continue in that kind of lifestyle. Please don't do it. Because it's going to ultimately end in your ruin. Which brings me to the fourth point. 
which is the penalty or retribution. of God's righteous judgment. But, and this is what's going on, this is what's really happening, every day that people continue to live in their sins. But after your hardness and impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath. And the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God The judgment of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is His punishment for sin. It is His vengeful anger where He repays with punishment all the sins of those who lived and died in sin. On the day of judgment, that repayment begins in full for the wicked body and soul. then God will disclose the staggering debt of wrath that each sinner has accumulated in this life. And when he avenges sin, justice will be satisfied. And every person living on earth in the state of sin is accumulating wrath every day. And greater sin deserves greater punishment. The liability grows. The debt grows. And kids, you don't necessarily understand the word of liability. Maybe not even debt, unless you have student loans. But liability and debt means you have an obligation to pay. It means you're responsible to pay. And every sinner has a savings account. And you're going and saving every day, accumulating for yourself a greater debt and obligation of sin. Making a deposit in that account, every day, you are treasuring up. I think maybe a better illustration of it is people that, now, i got to be careful how I say it, but people that use credit cards. Now, I'm not saying that you should never have a credit card. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting into that type of stuff. If you do have a credit card, you should be responsible in the way you use it. Everybody should live within their means. I understand that. But let's just take people with a credit card. You take the credit card, and this is the point of the illustration. You take the credit card, and you use it. And you're spending money painlessly. You're not necessarily aware of how much you're actually spending. And then... You spend money here, you spend money there, you use your credit card, it's painless. And then the end of the month, you get a statement. And you look at it, you say, ay, 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 how did I spend all that? Where did I spend it? I don't want to bother looking at that statement, throw it away. Right? And then 
Next month, same thing. Get a statement. I don't want to look at that. But here's the thing. You're accumulating a huge debt. And you don't realize, and this is the point, people on credit cards have a tendency, some of them, to accumulate huge debts without realizing how much debt they're accumulating until they get a statement at the end of the month. Well, listen, folks. God does not issue you a statement every month as to how much sin you're spending on your credit card. You're not getting a statement every month from God. I think maybe if you got a statement every month from God about all the sins you committed that month, you'd probably be shocked at how much you spent and how much you owe. But you don't get a statement every month from God. You don't get a statement every year from God. And because people don't get statements from God, about how much sin they've spent and how much they're accumulating in terms of their debt to the wrath and judgment of God, they don't get these statements that they tend to think it's no big deal. Now, folks, I'm telling you, it's a big deal. And the illustration with people using credit cards irresponsibly and I'm not saying all credit card use is irresponsible. I didn't say that. Did I say that? I didn't say that. I said the illustration of people using credit cards irresponsibly illustrates a little tiny bit of what's going on with people living in the state of sin. And they're accumulating an incredible, overwhelming debt. And someday, they're going to see their statement. They're going to get the statement because God is keeping a record of all of it. And someday it's all going to come due. And then those in the state of sin are going to have to pay. They're not going to be able to pay. The only way they're going to pay is to go to hell. Body and soul in the lake of fire forever and ever. And the only way to avoid that is to get right with God through Jesus Christ. And then we can sing, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Thank God for the precious blood of Jesus that paid my debt, set me free. I mean, even the part of my statement that I'm aware of I've never seen the actual statement that God has on Greg Nicholson, how wicked he really was before God saved him. I'm aware of some of what was on that card. Awful things of which I'm now ashamed. But Jesus paid my debt. And Jesus is willing to pay yours. And you call upon him and ask him to save you. Turn yourself over to him. And plead with him for mercy. And trust in him and him alone. And he will save you and deliver you from the wrath to come. And that's the whole point of this text. The whole point of this text is Paul is telling people why they need Jesus. 
That's the context of this. Why is he preaching Judgment Day? In order to show people that Jesus Christ is their only hope. In order to tell them that God has a way of salvation for sinners who deserve to go to hell. Who are accumulating for themselves wrath. And God's way of deliverance is in his son, Jesus Christ. And in him alone. And if you are like that, and right now, you're accumulating for yourself a big debt of wrath, I entreat you, in the meekness and gentleness of Christ, get right with God. Call upon the name of Jesus, and he will set you free. Finally, this morning, look at the individuality of his righteous judgment. It says in verse 6, Who will render to every man according to his works? It's not only certain and punitive, it is also personal, individual. In Romans 14, Paul says, Or why do you judge your brother? Verse 10, Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. So then each one of us will give account of himself to God. This is not a message that you can say, well, you know, this really pertains to other people. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I disagree. It has everything to do with me and it has everything to do with you personally and individually. Look, it says, who will render to every man according to his works. It's true that in the end of the day, there's going to be two kinds of people, the righteous and the wicked, the sheep and the goats. And the righteous are going to be blessed and the goats are going to be condemned. That's true. He's going to condemn the wicked and bless the the righteous, but he's going to deal with all of us individually. And each one of us is going to receive in accord with the way we lived. And there's only two kinds of lifestyles. The lifestyle of the state of sin, the wicked lifestyle, and the lifestyle of the state of grace, the righteous lifestyle. And everyone in this room is either a sheep or a goat. Everyone here is either in a state of sin or in a state of grace. And he's going to deal with each one of us according to truth, as we really are. If you live and die in the state of sin, he's going to deal with you as a sinner and wicked person. And you're going to give account of yourself to God accordingly, individually and personally. This pertains to you. So you can't sit here this morning and honestly think that this has nothing to do with you personally. Oh, yes, it does. It does apply and pertain to you and to me individually and personally. Someday, I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Jesus, and I'm going to give account of myself. What am I going to say about me? I'm not going to give account for you. I'm going to give account for me, and you're going to give account for you. I, I may be responsible for what I preached. Jesus may say to me, what did you preach to these people? Did you preach what I told you to preach, or did you preach what you wanted? So I may in some way be held accountable for how I've treated you. That's true. I won't argue with that. But ultimately, 
The one that I'm going to give account for is me. And the one that you're going to give account for is you. So you need to think, where are you at? Are you right with God? Do you know the Lord? Are you in a state of sin? Or are you in a state of grace? And if you've been putting off dealing with that, you don't need to put it off anymore. You need to address it right now. Where are you at? Are you in a state of sin? Or are you in a state of grace? You're going to give account for yourself to God on that day. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? There isn't going to be any spin, no deceit, no escape. Truth is coming out. What are you going to say? Needless to say, in preparing this message, I had to think about what I'm going to say. What am I going to say about myself? I'm going to say, Lord, you know me better than I know myself. I'm a hell-deserving, wretched sinner. And my only hope is Jesus Christ. I have no other hope. Only Jesus. And in preparation for this, I said, Lord, even if I'm not right with you now, make me right. So that I don't get any big surprises on that day and find out that I'm not what I thought I was. You know what I am. I entreat you, folks. I, I entreat you to take to heart what Paul says. Because each one of us is going to give account of himself to God and he's going to judge us, all of us, according to our own works. This means we should wait for God's vindication. 1 Corinthians 4 says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. And you might be surprised by what he says next. Then each one's praise will come from God. What? Let me read it again. Who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness... Mean everybody's going to be exposed mm-hmm. and reveal the counsels of the hearts, even what was in my heart. Mm-hmm. Then each one's praise will come from God. You mean that there are people with good and honest hearts that have been made good and honest by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit that actually love God and serve God from their hearts, though not perfectly, but genuinely and sincerely and that God will commend and praise the righteous on that day so don't before the time judge the value of your service to God leave that with God sincerely genuinely from the heart by God's grace by the power of the Holy Spirit Love God and serve Him and leave the rest with Him and you will have praise from God on the last day. I know it seems too good to be true, doesn't it? But it is true. And then something else. It means we should defer to God's vengeance. Don't take personal vengeance ever. Some people might say, you know, it's not right for a Christian to talk about the wrath of God. 
Well, Paul talked about it. And it's, it's a blessing in this sense. Do not, Paul says in Romans 12, do not offend, do not avenge yourselves, beloved, but defer to his wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink, because this way you're going to heap coals of fire on his head. What's the point? Oh, here's the point. Here's exactly the point. I wish I could stand here and tell you this morning that if you live a godly life, you'll never be wronged. No one will ever abuse you. No one will ever mistreat you. No one will ever lie about you. If you live a godly life, everything about your life will be blessed. I can't tell you that. Why can't you tell me that? Because it isn't true. The saddest things in the world to me to see is that people don't go looking for trouble, but trouble goes looking for them. And godly people are lied about. Godly people are wrong. Godly people are misused and abused. And the question is, then what do you do? If there is no wrath of God, where do you go? The rejection of the wrath of God and the proclamation falsely of a God, small g, who is all love and nothing but love and has no justice and no wrath, produces angry, bitter, vengeful people. And if we truly believe in this day of judgment and this day of wrath in which God will avenge all the wrongs and make everything right and judge the wicked, we don't need to be and we ought never to be bitter, angry, vengeful people. Do not avenge yourselves, beloved, but defer to the wrath of God. All those wrongs that have been done, those awful, terrible wrongs that have been done to you, the mistreatment, the lies that have been told about you, don't let them enter into you and make you bitter and ugly and hateful and vengeful. Don't do that. What do you do? Here's what you do with it. You take it to the judgment day of God. Take it to the wrath of God. By faith, leave it with God. Lord, this is what they said about me. You know it was false. This is what they did to me. You know it was wrong. Here, you deal with it. I'm not going to hate them with vengeance. I'm not going to try to do evil to them for the evil they did to me. I'm not going to speak evil about them. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to leave it to you. Here, you take it. Lord, you deal with it. Because you are a just God and the day is coming. I defer to you and to your justice. Now, there is a sort of justice on earth. There's a, there's a criminal justice system and maybe some of these awful, horrible things, if they're criminal in nature, there may be some temporary, temporal justice dealt with here on earth or in the church. If it's a, another church member that does some awful wrong to you, there may be an element of justice in church discipline. I understand. I'm not saying that we should totally neglect the justice of the church or of the state when it's appropriate. No, that's not my point. My point is ultimately 
The ultimate justice does not come from the church or from the state. The ultimate justice comes from God on Judgment Day. And even when the justice of church and state break down, the justice of God never breaks down. And people that do you horrible wrongs may get away with it in the church. They may get away with it in the state. But they're not going to get away with it on the Judgment Day. And whether they get away with it on earth or not, the way you deal with it is you take it to God by faith and you leave it there and you defer to the wrath of God and the day of judgment so that we do not live our lives as bitter, vengeful, ugly, hateful people. We don't have to live like that because God is a righteous judge. So the judgment of God turns out to be a blessing to those who live by faith and a great danger for those who live in hypocrisy. And there's a great warning in this text for those that are living in sin to get right with God. We looked at the righteous judgment of God this morning. May God be pleased to bless His holy word that it doesn't come back to us empty or to Him empty, but that He uses it to save sinners and edify saints. Let's pray.